welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Hey, James. Hey, Scott. How are you this week? I'm doing well this week. How are you doing? I'm good, man. Life's good. And I don't know when this will air, but Padres won, going to the National League Championship Series. Gonna Someone, what was it? Lucas tomorrow. Really? So excited. Yes. There was something I saw. It was like, uh, what did it say? Padre, Padres are going to the National League pennant and Blink-182 is touring again. Is this 1998 all over again? Yes. We're back. <laughs> yes, it is. back, baby. Let's go. San Diego's back. Cool, man. So well, that'll awesome. be fun. That that was an exciting series. Sorry, my condolences to Dodgers fans out there. But uh, I mean, it's kind of fun. like and the not little really, brothers because... finally got to beat up on the big brother a little bit, right? Yes. On that West yes. Coast rivalry. And I have a ton of respect for Dodgers team organization, their season. But man, did it feel good to beat them. It felt extremely good. There was there's no one else. So that would have felt as good to be to get to the no. National League pennant. No. Um, well, hey, um, super excited for our question today that we're going to dive into. Feel free to listen, obviously, or check us out on our YouTube channel. Real Personal Finance is how you find us on YouTube. Um, and we're just going to take it away from here. But um, if you guys have questions and you want to have them answered, please take a minute to go to realpersonalfinance.co and submit a question. Uh, when you do so, you will get access to elements to create a scorecard, which will help us give more context to what answers you're looking for. As you'll see today, even when we have someone who really knows their stuff, there's stuff that we still need to know. So <laughs> we'll, uh, yeah. we'll do our best today, but uh, take it from there. And really excited to utilize this to help you all monitor your financial lives. Yep. Yes, absolutely. Well, should I read the question and pull up the scorecard? Yeah, let's go. All right, let me share this screen here real quick. And I'm going to pull up the scorecard and then as I'm doing that, read the question. Yes. So you can start to see there is a scorecard. And the question is from Dwayne. And Dwayne says this. He says, hi, gents. I love the podcast and congratulations on the YouTube format. I'm also digging the new elements format. It really helps me to hear slash learn about others' personal financial situation and approach. Yes. I recommended your podcast to my two closest friends a while back. Thank you. And we chat each week around the topic you present and discuss our individual situations as it relates to the topic. My question is, am I on track to retire at 52? Am I over-investing in retirement at the expense of more freedom now? How would you recommend incorporating pension plans into overall retirement planning? Is there an ideal year slash pension percentage break-even point? I am 37 years old and married. We're expecting our first child in the fall. Congratulations. I am eyeing a 52-year-old retirement age as it represents a significant milestone for my government benefits. At 52, my wife, child, and I will have lifetime medical, dental, and health benefits for life. Dwayne goes on to give a whole bunch of different details, many of which can be summarized in the scorecard here, but I'm going to cut it off there for the sake of brevity, and we'll get the details as we go. Yeah. 
Now, Dwayne, looking at your scorecard, you're going to be like, what? But when you dive into this, you'll see we had to make some guesses. Um, and for the listeners at home, in addition to Dwayne and his wife working in it, what it sounds like are government positions, or they might be civilian positions for the government through DO, through different various pro, uh, contracts. Uh, we didn't get the inside, inside scoop on that. We had a, a good idea of base income. But then he also noted that he has two businesses that are generating revenues around 1.6 million a year, I think was our get, was the number that he had on the balance sheet. combined. And yeah. we showed that, it, he's put that in his annual. So we're making the assumption that that is the income that's coming um, after costs of those businesses. And then we gave, but just to be safe, we gave a really big haircut on the income that would come to him. We assumed he only gets to keep like 50%. Right. So we just made the assumption that he gets to keep around 800K of that instead of the uh, 1.6. And then from there, we built it into his income. So that so, Dwayne, as you're looking at this and you're like, how did you come up with these numbers? Um, We made some really big guesses because we didn't have um, all of the numbers for you. With that, that brought your savings rates, not including pension amounts that you're probably paying into a pension, which we could add there, you could add there. If you're paying into a pension, go ahead and add that in as a as an, uh, savings amount because you are saving into a government pension that you're going to get back in the future. But then we current savings rate, 11%, current spending rate, 2% of income, current debt rate, 10% of income, current tax rate, 40% of income. Again, that was a guess. We were guessing that you are going to be in the highest tax rates if that business income is spinning off to you and your spouse. We also made the assumption you're living in California. So with that, um, I think we still had some excess income left over. And the only thing I would add here, James, for the income side is we also didn't know you put in numbers. You said the income properties that you have are covering the costs of the property plus an emergency fund, but you didn't detail those costs. So I would build those costs into your um one of two things. You can either go ahead and in and one definitely increase put the income in for those rental properties as a part of your overall income. And then two, add those expenses as a part of your living burn rate because they're basically just you're a small business at this point as far as I'm concerned and we just need to treat you that way. So that's what I would do, but um James, what do you think? No, I I agree. There's we have revenue from the businesses. We have his income. So he he earns about $150,000 as an attorney in his government position. Yeah. What we don't know is spouse's income plus we know revenue from side businesses is $1.65 million. What portion of that do you actually keep is our question yeah. for Dwayne. So as we're looking at this, so much of the question of can I retire at 52 well, we we have some information. We know that Dwayne's income is 150 grand. We know his pension at that point, assuming his income stays stable today, would be about 50 grand because he would receive what is that 32 and a half percent of his salary from 52 yeah. and beyond. So as we're looking at that, it's easy enough if we know income is just 150, but it's not. We don't really know what income is, therefore we don't really know exactly how much his actual expenses are, which would yep. be the two key factors in determining, can you do this at 52? Completely agree. Um, the other thing that I that I thought of immediately was, because he's asking the question, am I saving too much relative to living life today? And that's going to be, it always is an it depends question, right? Because I just want to know more. Do you, are you, how much time and energy are you putting into work at the government job 
How much time and energy are you putting into your businesses? And then what's the relative income of both? Because, and how much do you enjoy those things? Because if you love the government position you're working in, if you're really helping we, the people, and you want to do that past age 52, awesome that at age 52, you no longer have to worry about health, dental. And what was the other one? There was another one, another insurance for the rest of your life. Awesome. But even then you may decide you want to keep working because you love the work you do. And the more you do that work, the more pension you get. And if your pension is through the U.S. government, not through a state government, then the likelihood of that ever going belly up is basically zero because the U.S. government can just print more money. Um, If it's through a state, um, that's a different ball of wax. Then we have to pay attention to the funding status of the state pension. If you're in Illinois, I'm just going to say I'm worried for you. If you're in any other state, it depends. And you want to know what's the funded status of the pension. Funded status just means give me the present value of all future outflows and give me the value of the current balance of the pension. Do I have more assets? That means I have a surplus relative to what I have to pay out in the future. Or do I have less then I have my payments in the future. I am underfunded. If I'm underfunded, I'm going to be worried about you trying to retire at age 52. You might want to lean more on income and building your own balance sheet. That's the short answer for am I okay to track on time? Because we don't know where your pension is. Uh, it was You had a 457 and you're paying into a pension. You didn't mention a TSP. So that makes me think it is not a... Wait, did he say federal? Am I miss? Am um, I mixing? I up? believe it's. A, I believe it's a state position. Okay. State yeah. If it's a state position, then, then this framing is correct. So, yeah. what what are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I agree. I'm, let's let's just say count on the pension for the time being. Um, what we're looking at is when we look at his savings. Right. He is. He and his wife. They're saving a combined almost hundred and ten thousand dollars per year. Yeah. Now, some of that's going to 529 plans for college. Some of it's going to minor Roth. Some so some of it's going to other things. But let's just call it a hundred grand. Well, if we were just looking at 150 of income, so exclude the side businesses, $150,000 of salary, 50,000 that's going to be replaced when he retires. Yeah. 100,000 is what's going on. The 100,000 is what goes away, but 100,000 you're already saving. So here's the other thing. People, retirement seems like it's pretty black and white, cut and dry, but it's different for everyone. He could very well mean, I'm going to retire from my government position, take the pension, but my guess is if they have side business income of 1.65 million coming in as is, working as an attorney for the government, that attorney for the government probably takes up a lot of time, which tells me, and maybe yes. his spouse is running the side businesses. But if not, it tells me that income is, I don't want to call it passive, but there might be a pretty good business revenue system just already built up. If Agreed. that continues, well, that's 1.6 million continuing and just 150,000 yep. that's going away from your government position. 50,000 of which is replaced by uh, uh, pension, you have two income properties that you're continuing to pay the mortgage down on. That income will continue to rise. I would guess, and as we're saying, Scott, we don't have a complete, we have a ton of details here, which is great, but there's still a couple missing elements because retirement and really financial freedom comes down to income versus expenses. And I would say that's kind of the only two variables we don't fully have a clear picture of. Yep. I would guess he's probably on track. But, and we didn't read the full question, Dwayne and his spouse have some pretty cool lifestyle goals. Yes. And he's saying, hey, am I over saving for retirement? You know, we love to, um, we want to have more fun and more health-related investments, add a cold plunge, massage, acupuncture, Korean spa, 
awesome. Like that's, that's something he's asking, should I stop saving so much for retirement so I can do that? Um, more travel. We want to upgrade our commuter car. We want to uh, purchase another track Porsche, which is going to cost 160 day, 180 grand. Like, awesome stuff Yes. to tell you definitively, yes. can you do that? We need to know income and expenses. My gut feeling is you're on track for some of those things, but we wouldn't know exactly until we knew exactly what, what take-home income is and what expenses in retirement will be. Same. And I want to give a slightly different frame for Dwayne, right? We always focus on money and making sure we have enough money for our future selves, which is really important but we also need to take care of our present selves. And most of us honestly probably take care of our present selves more than we should and don't take care of our future selves enough. If the, if we understand the numbers even close right now, my I would lean into the idea that Dwayne and his spouse are probably taking care of their future selves more than their current selves. Sounds like they're already living a really fun life. He already has one track Porsche, right? Like they have a little one on the way. It sounds like they're doing some really cool businesses. Sounds like they're doing great work um, helping civil society, being government employees. Thank you. Um, but where I go with this is you don't just have money to invest, Dwayne. You have time, money, energy, and talent. And the key is for you and your spouse to know how do we optimize those four things. And the things that you're mentioning about fun to invest in, cold plunge, um, spa, like if that's for health, for health concerns and living a more vital life, you can also view that as an investment. Now, of course, I would posit that you need to make sure your investments for your future self, retirement, are already locked in. But it seems like, and of course, we're missing some data, but it seems like you're largely on your way there already. In fact, if our numbers were correct, which I don't know if they are, but if they were, not even factoring in the pensions, we're estimating you need $10,400 a month to live life. That's basically looking at all of the debt payments plus the living expenses that the two of you have currently. And again, if we're wrong on that, just update that number, right? But if that's correct, based on your current assets, including your primary residence, you're technically already financially free. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. I give technical because technically you don't necessarily want to use the net worth in your home to be an asset, to be financially free. But if the values of your businesses are just one times revenue, and those are your real revenue numbers, and you could turn around and sell them. And if your rental properties are what they are, and all of your other assets are what they are. And I actually think we put in your wife's 401k as a dollar because we weren't sure if it's the 401k you put in, or if it's something different. We felt it was something different. So again, make the data your own. But we look at that and we just go, man, I, if these numbers are right, you could probably be financially free. I mean, the thing is, the thing that I love is this is where the joy of the work that James and I get to do comes in because our job is really just to guide our clients through their financial lives and help them optimize their time, their money, their energy, and their talent. And it becomes really fun when you have built your savings to a point where you can really start to lean into the life that you want to have. And it just seems like, Dwayne, you're there. So congratulations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It, exactly. Another way I would look at it is, and part of the reason we're even thinking about it this way is the the income from small businesses, 1.65 million. He lists that under an asset, which makes me think, is this a family business? Is this some type of e-commerce business that was set up and automated? Is this something that is more treated as an asset? Almost like that's the dividend being generated from the right. a stock type thing. Right. 
when you look at it that way, Dwayne and his spouse's income from work is 10 to 15% of their total income. Right. So could you retire? Well, if retirement means you're losing 10 to 15% of your income, most yeah. of which is just being saved anyways, 100%. Retirement's all about cash flow. Can you have income coming in to do the things that you want to do, which is live comfortably? We already know that health insurance benefits, dental benefits, that's going to be covered if you work till 52 and then have some money left over to do some of these fun things. This is where, Scott, to your point, it, it seems simple enough. Can I retire? Well, there's so many nuances and questions within the questions and how can we unpack some of these things to give the most specific guidance and advice? Because yes, we want people to be prepared for retirement. You made the point, um, he's too many people, they over-prioritize taking care of their current selves. I agree. The different way of thinking about those is people who are over-prioritizing taking care of them's current selves. I mean, they're not saving up for retirement. Yeah. In reality, they're not taking care of their current selves or future selves because they live with that stress and that anxiety of, oh my gosh, I'm spending like crazy today, but they know in the back of their mind that's going to catch up to them. And so there's that anxiety. How do you find that balance of, yes, prepare for the future. The future is important, but don't neglect today. Today is also important. And it seems like Dwayne and his spouse are probably doing a good job balancing that today with the complexity they have between businesses and properties and pensions and 401ks and Roth IRAs. There's probably a lot that could be done to optimize that, to to both maximize the future and the current. With the information we have, we would be inclined to say they're probably on a good track. But again, this is where, and this is what that scorecard does, is helping you really clarify where you are today. That helps you to clarify what you should be doing too. 100% agree. And that that is the value of financial monitoring, which is what this is. But this is just the beginning for Dwayne, because Dwayne, like take the questions that we're giving you, clarify it make your data more realistic for yourself. And then you can check in on it every 90 days and make it better and better and better. And by better, I mean, have more clarity, right? Because the thing that about finance is that finance, uh, personal finance is all about the subjective and the objective. The objective is the scorecard. The subjective is how do you want to live your life? And then it's the story between the objective time points, right? So if we look at your data now, we look at it a year from now, what's the story that happened for the data to become what it is? Did a market downturn happen? Did you lose a job? Did you go invest in another property? Like what happened to make this work for you? And is it on course for what you want? It's always looking at the next optimum is kind of the way my friend Carl Richards would give it. It's like, we don't need to guess the future outcome why, like way up here, I'm just putting like a big finger, like a finger way far in the future and X is down here. We just need to go like, what's the next best step we can take? Take it. Then we get that new data. We check in and we go, do we make changes? And then we make another step and go, do we make changes? That is what real financial planning is. That is the work that James and I do with our clients all the time. You guys are just finally getting to start to see it, which like literally sends shivers down my spine because it's like, I've wanted for so long to have a way to show you what financial planning is. And we finally have it. Mm -hmm. Another thing I love about what Dwayne, and by the way, we're using a pseudonym because we do want to protect people's privacy. But what I love is, is Dwayne said, Hey, I've, I've got friends that we listen to this podcast once a week and we check in on our yes. current stuff. Like I, I, I normalize talking about money. It's so weird, but it doesn't need to be. And having people that you can talk to. And I think that's what this podcast is to a lot of people is uh, someone to kind of talk about finances in a real way. Yes. I think that's great. Having someone to not just keep you accountable, but to 
just talking about it helps to clarify your thinking both today and in the future. And I think that's very healthy. And, and to that end, James and I are working on a super secret mission that we're not going to reveal yet, but we'll give you a little taste. We're, we're thinking about starting a community for you all that will give those who want it access to elements for a low monthly fee with access to a community that you all can hold each other accountable and we can help you walk through your elements much the way that we're doing here for listeners. So I just want to say, if you're interested in that kind of thing, please go to realpersonalfinance.co and where you hit submit a question, just say, I'm interested in the community. So we can get a sense of how many people are interested. Um, and we'll have more information on that uh, in the next couple of weeks. Cool. Love it. Can, well, we just else end with, can we just end with like two things I think that Dwayne should focus on that worry me? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So the first is Dwayne, I saw you have life insurance, but it's a million dollars. And I almost, I want to scream at you, but you also might be financially free. So I may not, depending on the structure of your relationship and the finances and who's in charge of running the businesses and getting all that income, you might be totally fine. But if you're the main breadwinner of the two, I want you to think about um, potentially looking at how to protect either the small businesses, if they're your assets having like a key man policy or something like that for like, what would the succession plan be of the, this income stream? Look at that. And then the other thing is, I don't know if you guys have an estate plan because we don't have an estate planning element yet. I uh, I get, uh, I talk to the people who have elements <laughs> who created it to get this on here quickly, but just make sure with the little one coming, you have an estate plan in place to make sure that if you and your um, spouse get, you know, go out to dinner during the purge and don't realize it's the purge, um, your little one's okay for the rest of their lives. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but important stuff to do to protect the assets that are currently in place in the income sources. So I agree with that. Anything else for you, sir? Uh, lots of other things, but again, for for this episode, I think that's the core that we want to talk about. As we talk, there's tons that I think could be done to optimize these types of things, but we're going to focus on that financial freedom piece, which is what, what Dwayne asked. So yes. I think that is a good wrap for today. Perfect. Um, thank you so much, Dwayne, for the question. If you anyone is interested in a question, please submit it to realpersonalfinance.co. If you found anything we talked about today valuable, please leave a five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast or YouTube channel or share it with your friends. Because our goal is to keep doing this until the US is financially literate. I think we have about 12 months left. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's enjoy those next 12 months. Uh, but I think that is it for today. So thanks, Scott. Thank you. All right, see you all next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. And if you have a question that you'd like for us to answer in a future episode, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. And there'll be a section on the bottom of each page there where you can submit your question for Scott and I to answer on a future episode. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. It should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.